I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as foils attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to another all-new Nerd Alert, where once again, the gang is all together. It's a Christmas miracle. No one's traveling or out of the country or sick with random illnesses or just the normal amount of illness we have on this show. As Scott shoves a microphone up his nose, whatever, okay. <coughs> yeah, we're as normal as we ever are. But hey, we're all here this week. And by we all, I of course mean my first co-host, ladies and gentlemen, the man who keeps the nerd in the top nerdy TV network. Please welcome to the bridge, Commander Scott. So I learned something interesting today. Did it come across your feed? It did not, actually. Uh-huh. Kind of went searching for stuff. Something new? Yeah. Uh, so I learned that the first song to be performed in space was a Ukrainian folk song called Watching the Sky and Thinking a Thought. was performed by Ukrainian cosmonaut uh, Pavlo Popovich on the 12th of August, 1962. All right. All well. However, on December 16th, 1965, was the first song to be played in space using musical instruments. It was performed by Wally Shira and Thomas P. Stafford during their Gemini 6A space flight. And that song was Jingle Bells. Really? Now, define performed. Played on a harmonica and bells. Okay. You could call it the first Christmas special in space. Look at you tying in nerd facts tangentially to the thing we're talking about today. I'm so proud of you. Look at that. (laughs) And from space, which we'll get to again later. Uh, so, rounding out this terrible trio, please welcome, ladies and gentlemen, he is super excited for this show. Try to contain your excitement. Joining us from somewhere in time and space, perhaps a DeLorean? Perhaps via a DeLorean. Sorry, I'm rusty. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Doc. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Bah humbug to you. Wow! Yeah. What? 
Jeez, Jay. What? We're getting demonetized now. Throw that out, that out there. It's okay. This is never going to YouTube. It's fine. So, today, we are continuing our holiday-themed episodes. Uh, if you missed last week's, check it out. We talked all about on-screen Santas. This week, we're keeping it going with a tradition that you don't see very much anymore, like, at all. Which I guess, you know, viewing habits have changed. But uh, we're going to go through, not the history of it, but we're going to talk about some of our favorite TV Christmas specials. Something that once used to be a staple of broadcast TV. Every late November to mid-December, everybody had Christmas specials. (coughs) And they ranged... uh, well, they were all over the map. Some were animated, some were live action, some were puppets, which I'll get to in a minute. But uh, yeah, dude, from from classics like uh, you know Frosty and Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, that old uh, Rankin Bass stop motion stuff, uh, all the way up to last year, two years ago, the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special on Disney Plus, because uh, that was the most recent example I could think of. Uh, so we're going to go and uh, talk about some of our favorites and, and what goes into making a Christmas special. Are there, are there ingredients it has to have? Can you get nuts with it? Because uh, we'll get nuts. So that being said, uh, anybody have a, a first favorite example you want to get the ball rolling with? Jay, you're always prepared. Go ahead. No. See, this... see how I just threw you under the bus there? Look at that. Just has to poke the bear. Bus, meet Jay. Jay, meet Bus. It's okay. Did it start running really fast when you hit the ground? Really? You didn't watch any Christmas specials when you were a kid at all? None? Nothing? The only one I can think of is like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's the only thing you ever watched growing up. That's a good one to start with. (laughs) That's like... I, I, I. I'm sure that had I been more prepared with more time You'd to, watch more you know, Christmas specials when you were five, peruse I'm, the I'm, Christmas specials that I may have seen to jog my memory. I'm, I'm sorry we didn't inform five-year-old you to prepare for this this uh, this podcast in 2023, so that you can uh, watch. That's an oversight on our fault. We yeah. don't have the time machine, so sorry. Yeah. You're the one with the time machine. Just run back real quick so to, to watch some more Christmas specials. Anyway, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, one of my favorites, was always, um, uh, was it Yukon Jack? Cornelius. Yukon Cornelius. Cornelius. Yukon Cornelius. And the Bumble. And the Bumble. The, the Island of Misfit Toys. I always felt really bad for some of those toys. That's okay. They had a happy ending at the end. Yeah. Which I think that was like a tag on or something. Like I don't think that was the like the original script or something, right? When they went back for the toys, I don't remember. I think I, I thought I'd remember remember reading that at some point. Um, yeah, no, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Rankin and Bass, nineteen sixty-four is probably like one of the core staples of 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 Christmas specials, you know. Uh, did, it in, did it introduce the song or did the song create the special no, no, no. the song was long before the special <coughs> um, 
because I thought there was a line or something in the that was added. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, is that what I want there? Hey, I'm looking up uh, the song here real quick to see because I'm okay. curious now. But I'm pretty sure the song was around. Yeah. So Rudolph actually looks like Rudolph first appears in a booklet written by, uh, published by Montgomery Ward in 1939. Oh wow! Their their department store. Yeah, Rudolph uh, by Robert L. May. Um, um, the story is owned by the Rudolph Company. Adapted numerous forms over the years. Uh, I'm looking, looking for the song here. Oh, song 1949 is when the song okay came out. So, so the character was invented for a department store. Yep, in 39, probably to sell toys. Uh, well, it was in a book to sell okay. toys. Yeah, uh, it's a fictional reindeer created by Robert L. May. Rudolph is usually depicted as the ninth and youngest of Santa Claus's reindeer, using his luminous red nose to lead the reindeer team and guide Santa's sleigh on Christmas Eve. Uh, though he initially receives ridicule for his noy- nose as a fawn, uh, the, the, the nose is so powerful it illuminates the team's path on harsh winter weather. Um... Doesn't actually say like why it was created. I mean, yeah, it was created for uh, for Montgomery Ward, the department store published by them. Um, I think they just sold the book. Huh. <coughs> it was well, interesting. Yeah. So I wonder what predicated making a song about it. That's interesting. So Jay, what what uh, besides Yukon Cornelius in, uh, in in the Bumble, what 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 makes Rudolph the one that pops out in your head? Oh, it's the one I could think of. <laughs> it's one that I've seen that I know I've seen. That and Frosty, like you said, they're the two that I know for a fact I have seen. Any any fun memories of watching it? No, just it was a, it was. Always on TV. That and um, a Christmas story, but that's not really a Christmas special. So anyway, yeah, I don't. It's a Christmas special. Mm. I, I, I'm kind of with Jay on that one. I don't think I would classify a Christmas story, the movie, as a Christmas special. I mean, yeah. Oh, it's, okay, that's. A, yeah. I, I thought he was talking about Rudolph. Sorry, I missed that part. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> And you know, I would make an argument that the good people at TBS and TNT, whatever, same difference, have have made uh, a Christmas story a holiday special with their twenty four hour marathon. Well, they've made it a holiday tradition now. I I can see that, but yeah. I, for one, every time I, for years, every time I would go to buy a copy. Of a Christmas story of like, eh, it's gonna be on all day, Christmas Day, which is like, actually, and even it it starts at like 8 p.m. Christmas Eve through. It's like, it's more than 24 hours nowadays, but uh, 
Uh, every time I want to go to buy it, I'm like, eh, it's going to be on when I want to watch it anyway. I don't need to buy this. They they successfully diverted me from spending money on the movie for years. Because <clears throat> it was, you know, when I feel like watching it, it was, it was always, always on. I still get scolded because apparently that is not appropriate background when you're opening presents on Christmas morning. Why is it not appropriate for background? You, you, you're you're preaching to the choir here. I would put it on. I'd be like, John, turn that off. So put it on mute. Yeah, that'd be like another five minutes. And, John, I'd turn that off. Why? Okay. I don't know. It's like perfect yeah. background stuff. I guess we're all supposed to watch each other open gifts <laughs> and not watch Ralphie go ham on his Scott Farkas. But whatever. It's fine. Or watch him in the pink bunny rabbit outfit. I uh, I never actually sat down and watched that entire movie until like <laughs> maybe a few years ago, because you'd always catch bits and pieces of it. Yeah, and like you'd get most of the movie throughout the day, whether you were like like we always would go, we'd be at home and then we'd be watching this. Like okay, we got to go to Grandma Grandma LePage's. And then we'd go to Grandma LePage's and it'd be on. And then it's like, okay, now we got to go to church. And then after church, we'd go to my grandma on the hairy side, grandma and grandpa on the hairy side. And it was always on. So you're always catching parts of it. (laughs) By the end of Christmas, you've seen the whole movie just out of order and disjointed. Yes. You're like, wait, I've already seen this part. (laughs) And it's like, just wait two hours. It'll be back on. Um, yeah, I when I was a kid, I never went to Grandma LePage's, so I uh, guess I missed out there. I don't know. I never got to go there, but that's okay. I I didn't do that one. Um, yeah, here it is. Uh, So, in the original TV version of Rudolph, when it first aired, (coughs) Rudolph, Hermie, and Yukon Cornelius. Of course, visit the island of misfit toys and promise to help them, but then they're never seen again in the movie. Like the original broadcast version, it's just it's just like stated off camera that that was their first stop. You know, hey everybody, Duke's gonna be okay. <laughs> uh, after its first airing, the producers were inundated with letters from children and parents complaining that they didn't go back to help the misfit toys, uh, and so in response, Rankin and Perdue. Rankin and Bass produced a new short scene at the end of the show in which Santa and his reindeer, led by Rudolph, land on the island, pick up the toys and find homes for them. And then this scene became the standard version after that. So, yes, as far back as 1964, fans were were, were telling people in Hollywood how to write just a standard damn story. You dumbasses, you set it up, come back to it, pay it off, Show us how the story ends. And that's back when you had to, like, write an actual letter and put it in an envelope with a stamp and mail it. So it's just firing off a tweet or an X or whatever it's called. Or a TikTok, like your kids do. Yeah. That's crazy. But, yeah, this, this, this one was always a staple. This and Frosty, they were, they were, they were the, two, the two big boys growing up. You know, you, you always waited for them to come on. At least in my day. Okay, so don't get mad at me. Uh Uh-oh. I've never seen it. Oh, my God. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? I mean, I've seen parts of it. 
but I've never sat down and watched the whole thing start to finish. Same with Frosty. I'm, I'm ashamed. Frosty start to finish is like 20 minutes. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Frosty is almost as long as the damn song is. You just like Frosty, you can sit down and watch no no problem. It's it'd be shorter than some lists and countdowns or whatever. And <laughs> it's probably shorter than some uh screen rant videos on YouTube. Happy birthday. That like one that. always eh. Frosty was always like super sad to me like I, I don't it's just i always felt really bad for frosty what happened to frosty well he melts <coughs> what no he doesn't <clears throat> he's evergreen he's always frozen like like what's his name from from frozen <clears throat> uh olaf yeah uh, or no, sub-zero he, or yeah he melts in the greenhouse Why is there a greenhouse? Because the girl was warm or cold. Yeah. Uh, oh, now we come to it. The little kid, the little girl, yeah, she kid. was cold. Yeah. So they go to the greenhouse, and he's like sweating in the greenhouse because he's well, melting. I don't. I didn't think he melted. He did because yes. so that so they go in the greenhouse, and then the magician traps them in there. Yeah. And he says, "I got to get out because too." And then he 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 melts. But but then Santa uh, brings him back. Yeah, because yeah. because you just you just had to get Christmas air to him. Um, that that's good because that would have been a hell of a downer ending. That would have been the best ending. What happened to Frosty? He melted, and then the little girl was that hot, was so she drank something. You're standing <laughs> in him. She's like, I, man, I'm really thirsty. Dips a cup, drinks Frosty. Some and then Peter comes by with a mop. Oh, hey, there's a puddle here. And then as soon as she steps outside and gets that Christmas air, he reanimates and explodes out from inside of her like an alien Frosty. And then he starts killing all the townspeople? Yeah, I'm thinking of Jack Frost again. Sorry, sorry. Yes. I, I, I always Frosty liked Frosty murder. because uh, Jimmy Durante was the, uh, the narrator. All right, I'm gonna go for Brooke, Scott. Who's who's Jimmy Durante? You know Jimmy Durante. Good night, Mrs. Calabash. Wherever you are, you know Jimmy. Oh. Jimmy from down the street. He ah. makes a good pasta for Jules. Jimmy. It's good pasta. For, what is pasta for Jules? Jimmy. Um. Okay. I think Jay is quoting Goodfellas. <coughs> It's, he's, you know, he's just leave the, take the, take the magical hat, leave the cannoli. Wait, no, take the cannolis, leave the magical hat. Like, it's so bad. Leave the carrot, take the hat. No, Jimmy Durante was a, he was a, a comedic answer, a comedic actor, a comedian, song and dance man. Going back to like the 1920s uh, and such. The the only thing that he would have been in that I think you may have had a shot of seeing was uh, it's a mad 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 world. You've never seen it's a mad mad no, mad uh, world. Scott, I think is finally getting a sense of what it's like for me on this show week oh after week. Of, yeah, I'm sorry. I am like over four on this program so far. 
And I also thought, I also thought that Dan Aykroyd's character in My Stepmother is an Alien is a big Jimmy Durante fan. I've seen that. Because he makes her watch Jimmy Durante movies. Okay. Remember, he always, because remember Kim Basinger, Kim Basinger, whenever she's trying to, well, she turns against what her mission is at the, at the end of it. And she's quoting Jimmy Durante. And she says, good night, Mrs. Calabash, wherever you are. Jimmy Durante lines. Okay, I, I've seen that movie. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've seen that movie, too. Like Disney Channel a while. And 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 we were gypped with that movie, just just so you know. We we were okay. we got screwed royally in that movie. The entire reason I wanted to watch that movie when I was younger is because there's a scene uh when Kim Basinger and uh, Danny uh, Dan Aykroyd get married where they're in bed on their honeymoon and she rips her top open. And in the trailer it shows that scene and of course her back is to the camera. So, young me is like, oh, I got to see this movie because I got to see the reverse angle. I got to see the other side of this, thinking there's stuff they're not showing in a trailer. No, no, it's literally just the same scene. There, there is no topless Kim Basinger in this movie. No, there are no Kim Basinger tits in this family comedy. Well, hey, there I, should be. I, I didn't know. I didn't know ratings <laughs> stuff when I was a kid, when I was younger. That's fair. So, but yeah, no, Jimmy Durante, I always liked Jimmy Durante. I liked his songs. I liked his, his movies and such. And so I, was, I always liked it that he was the, he was the narrator in Frosty. Well, so, man, since we're on beloved songs <coughs> and uh, old school crooners, if you will, 1966, specifically mm. December 18th, 1966 on CBS, we got, in my opinion, the definitive, and why even try to top it, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yeah, you know, Which, I've, never, I've never seen the Jim Carrey version. Look, it's, the Jim Carrey version's not bad, honestly. If you're going to extend the, because, so this version's only 30 minutes, mm-hmm. and it is the entirety of the novel with stuff padded out to fill that 30 minutes. So, to make a two-hour movie, there's a lot more stuff thrown in, because you've got to. There's just not enough in the book. So I don't mind the Jim Carrey version. Uh, but this one to me is like the definitive, like this is the default. This is Grinch Prime, okay? In your multiverse of Grinches, this is Grinch Prime right here. Because <coughs> there are so many things, even the, the book doesn't quite get across that this movie does, or special does, that have gone on to become synonymous with the Grinch. First and foremost, until this special, the Grinch was just black and white. The entire reason we associate the Grinch with being green is because of this special. Because at the time, they were broadcasting in full color. So they produced it in full color. Um, but the, the backstory behind this is awesome. It's Boris Karloff as the voice of the Grinch. Frankenstein's monster himself. Boris Karloff, legend of, of, of uh, Universal Horror Movies, is the voice of the Grinch. Not the singing voice. Well, it's sort of. Uh, directed by Chuck Jones, animation legend, the guy behind uh, Merry Melodies and Looney Tunes. Apparently him and Seuss, a.k.a. Ted Geisel, uh, were buddies during the war when they made films at Warner Brothers for the war effort, including what I think you guys might be familiar with. Uh, 
Have you ever seen the animated short Private Snafu? I don't know. <laughs> Are you familiar with the term Snafu? Yes. Okay. In the 40s, well, 30s, yeah, 40s, uh, there was a, a wartime uh, uh, training animation starring, I think, Donald Duck called Private Snafu. It was basically, here's what not to do uh, in the Army kind of video. And that's where uh, Dr. Seuss and Chuck Jones met, was working on that cartoon. Uh, and and then as things progressed, Chuck Jones was like, "Dude, I want to do something with longer stories." And Seuss had had some bad experiences in the past. People were trying to do that, but he trusted his old war buddy. Uh, so that's how this movie came to be. Um, <coughs> it had a budget of three hundred and fifteen thousand dollars, which in current money is two point five million dollars for a twenty-five minute short. Wow. Spared no expense. Uh, 15,000 drawings and cells, 250 backgrounds, 1,200 character layouts, and 60 musicians to bring this thing to life. Um, it aired annually on CBS for 20 years. between uh, Sorry, 22 years. Between 66 and 88, every year, CBS aired this. And then cable stuff happened and rights changed hands a billion times. But... Basically, since this came out in 66, it's never been completely off the air. Um, my last fun fact about this movie. So we talked about Boris Karloff being the voice of, of uh, the Grinch. The song, the crooner, the whole, you know, my tie in the Scott's topic. The song that probably stands out from this is You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch. You know, that song in and of itself became a holiday classic. You know, it's on Mix Miss 95 and all that, you know, all the it's on everyone's Christmas playlist, right? That's not Boris Karloff singing. Uh, in the original uh, airing of the cartoon, they didn't list a voice for the singing of any of the music. So people incorrectly assumed it was Boris Karloff singing the song because it's about the Grinch. It is actually Thurl Ravenscroft singing that song <coughs> if you don't know that name don't worry you'll know the other character he's probably best known for tony the tiger it's great so the guy singing the you're a mean one mr grinch song is also the voice of tony the tiger just keep that under your hat um, in fact dr seuss uh in years to come wrote to uh radio stations and tv stations to try to get them to put out there that this is not Boris Karloff singing the song. It's uh, Thurl Ravenscroft, and he deserves credit. And he felt very bad about the oversight of not listing him in the credits. Um, but the reason I think it's your definitive Grinch is, like I said, it is a complete adaptation of the original novel. Everything in that book is in this movie, brought to life through some of the best traditional animation money could buy, literally. I just told you how much it cost. Um, and some of the best people in the biz putting their their heart and soul into this, and like to me, it's definitive Grinch. I love it. See, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even thought of the Grinch as a TV Christmas special. Oh, why not? Because I felt underprepared. I don't know. You you bring these up as like, oh yeah, that is a, I guess a TV special. I don't know. I just always think of these holiday 
because we always had them on like VHS or something. You know, you pop it in and it's like thirty minute VHS. I just thought it was a little short yeah. movie. I don't consider see, it a TV special. See, keep in mind when I was a kid, these didn't exist on VHS. I had to wait until December and find out through the lovely, awesome, you know, Pulitzer Prize winning periodical known as the TV Guide. You know. I would peruse that, trying to find when these were going to air, because I wanted to watch them every year, but they didn't exist on VHS. It wasn't a thing. Really, the first VHS that we ever owned was E.T., and that cost like $70. Yeah, I really liked E.T., yeah. It was the first VHS that like was available, I think, for home purchase or something. I don't know. It's the first one Mom and Dad ever bought. It was expensive. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's that's one of my new favorite uh, Christmas specials. Even though it's a commercial, is the ET commercial. Have you seen it? Christmas? Yes, I have not. ET comes back at Christmas, and um, Elliot is grown up and has a family of his own, and they're like hanging out. And I I can't remember what it's at an ad for now. Ah, I gotta find out. Yeah. It's really it. Yeah, I'm working on it. It's got it here. I know it's stupid to say a commercial is being a Christmas special, but like, honestly, this ET commercial is like more heartfelt than some of the stuff coming <coughs> out about Christmas nowadays. Like, it's it's crazy. I can't believe so, you guys haven't seen it. So it looks like this commercial came out in 2019. Yeah, and it does bring, right. it does bring back the actor who played Elliot. Um, who is also the actor that played uh, uh, the the Jack Nicholson role in um, uh, Doctor Sleep, which was very interesting. But uh, yeah, so so here it is, at least the audio. So we got a black screen with the ET, a holiday reunion, is what we have on the screen right now. Y'all can hear this, right? Yeah. Maybe like a couple of kids playing outside in the snow. Right now we're still at black screen. Now we have music. Still at black screen. We're 30 seconds in. We're still at black screen. How long is this commercial? Okay, this video is 4 minutes and 54 seconds. Yeah, we're not doing this for 5 minutes. Now you have kids playing in the snow. Are you sure this is a commercial? Yeah, I guarantee you this is what happened. They 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 made it as like a short, and then there's like a thirty and a sixty second version that aired on TV with a stinger of "Hey, go see the full commercial at blah 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 dot com." Probably, because that was a big thing for for a while, especially at that time. Because there's a uh, Christmas vacation reunion commercial thing, and there was a um, Radio Shack did something right before they went out of business. Anyway, I like it. It's it's pretty funny. It like hits on some of the major things of the movie. And anyway, when Scott said ET, it made me think of that. Because do, do you remember the weird ass McDonald's commercial that would air around Christmas? Because it's in the winter, where the little girl's gonna run away, and Ronald McDonald talks her out of running away. I do not recall that commercial. Okay. 
This isn't the one you say little girl. How little? Like six? Is is she on like a she's not like on a on a bench waiting for a bus. Is she like a bus something? Maybe. I'm thinking of something else. I don't know. It's meant to be outside, but it's obviously a set. And and Ronald's like, where are you going? Uh what's the other one? Oh, Campbell's soup. Campbell's chicken noodle soup. Yeah, the kid who goes out or the the snowman comes inside. Yes, he's a snowman and he oh, comes yeah. inside and all of a sudden he melts and but yeah. his mom gives him some warm some soup. Campbell soup and it, yeah. it melts the snow off of him. There's yeah. a good commercial. Yeah. Remember anyway. the, the creepy brother and sister one? Have you seen the extended event? Yes. Oh, my God. The See, creepy uh, brother. It's we're going to go off the rails for a second here? It goes it's, not, but it's not an extended one. It's like a comedy version. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a, yeah, the, the, it's a comedy skit that fills in and around the commercial. Yes, where it like, yeah. starts with the original commercial, and then it cuts to the parents, and they're like, stop trying to fuck your sister. Yeah. <laughs> we told you never to come back here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That one. I think that was, it. was that an SNL skit that they did. No, what was that? Was, was it collegehumor.com or something? Maybe. Like the humor. original commercial was was it Folgers Coffee? Folgers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, my present. It's it's supposed to be a brother coming home from I guess college or something, uh, yeah. and his little sister greets him at the door, and they have a cute little catch up session in the kitchen before mom and dad wake up. However, I read a whole article about this because they interviewed the guy and the girl that played him. Like, <coughs> they were like, look, clearly the system was written for a much younger actress. And they just didn't want to pay for kid actors because there's limited hours kids can work under certain ages. So they cast uh, a 20-something, a couple of 20-something actors to, to play brother and sister. And uh, they had chemistry. Just the wrong kind. We were hoping, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, eh. That's a fun holiday commercial. You're my <laughs> present this year. I can't wait to unwrap you. Welcome to Christmas in Alabama. I, like, I don't remember the unwrap you part. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Is that, that the extended cut I haven't seen? That extension, that extended thing was fun. It's uh, the that's the version that you have to pay extra for. Right. See the full version at Pornhub.com. Oh my god. Uh, Scott, anything you want to toss out there? Oh. Well, we talked about the 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 core, like the 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 you know the right at the beginning the 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 big three there. Your Rankin Bass. Yeah, your your uh, claymation stuff. Has a huge influence on Elf, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. <laughs> to the point they got sued. Yeah. The point that they got sued. Yes. Um, I also remember the other ones that I didn't care for that would would air, and my parents thought, "Let's watch this one." And I'm like, "I'm done. The good ones are gone. The good ones are done." Um, which is like you know the little drummer boy shit and uh, um, oh, what's. It's the one with the young Santa. It's the origin of Santa. Oh, what was it called? I think it was Rankin and Bass as well. Is it Santa Claus? Dawn of the Santa. I think it's Santa Claus is coming. Yeah, Santa Claus is coming to town. Rise of the Claus. <coughs> I like that. But yeah, you so know. it was made now. 
Santa, uh, Rise of the Claws. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Rankin and Bass claymation uh, and, and stuff. And it's it's about a young, you know, young St. Nick. And, and the villain is um, Old Man Winter. I vaguely remember that. No, the yeah. Uh, the story begins with a baby named Claus arriving on the doorstep of, of Burgermeister Meister Burger, the ill-tempered ruler of Sombertown. Uh, yeah. Basically, he gets taken to an orphanage, and then he gets taken by a group of animals to the Kringles, which is a family of Christmas elves. The Kringles rename him Chris, raise him as their own, and then when he's old enough, he goes back to Sombertown, accompanied by a lost penguin, whom he names Topper. Meanwhile, Meisterberger trips on a toy duck and enacts a law prohibiting toys. Can't have toys in Sombertown. Somber. That took a Sharp left turn. <laughs> Chris arrives in town and bestows, to- bestows toys upon the children, even giving one to Miss Jessica, their school teacher. The Meisterberger arrives and orders Chris's arrest, but Chris flees into the woods with Topper. Chris and Topper are captured by the, the wicked Winter Warlock, but the Warlock befriends Chris after he is given a toy train. To prevent further toy deliveries, Meisterberger orders all doors and windows locked. But Chris finds a way to thwart his plans by entering through the chimneys and placing toys in the children's stockings. Scott. Hmm? So it's it's Footloose? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, you are. You're or, not or wrong. Footloose is a ripoff of it? <laughs> yes, because this is... 60-something? 1970. 70. Way before Footloose. Okay. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Also, what were they on coming up with these stories? Like, <laughs> give me a story about the origin of Santa. Okay. <coughs> it's going to have a warlock, and we're going to ban toys, and people are going to board up their homes. And is it Christmas penguin for reasons? And because it's a penguin. He's raised by elves. And... Yeah, okay. Alrighty. Yeah, I always remember that one growing up, too. Um, that was a big one. Yes, Jay? So, because because I felt so ill-prepared, I was like, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hit the old Wikipedia for a second and get a list. And then one popped up that I completely forget. Because, again, like I said, if I had just had... If I had just sparked my memory, and then this sparked my memory. Uh, Garfield Christmas. I don't know if I ever saw Garfield Christmas. Oh. So, it's it's very short. Um, obviously, about Garfield. But he John takes Garfield and Odie to uh his home where he grew up and um spends christmas with his family in the country and garfield is not happy about it because he wants to stay in the city eat lasagna things like that and Odie ends up making garfield a homemade back scratcher and gives it to him for christmas as a christmas present i remember that and um (coughs) garfield like really connects with grandma 
and I don't know if it's John's grandma or if it's actually his mom that it's supposed to be. You just refer to his grandma. Uh, but I remember that one. Like, I remember bits and like, I can't remember the whole thing from beginning to end, but I do remember the back scratcher that Odie makes. Like, he's secretly running around grabbing different things and he gives it to Garfield. The whole episode, isn't it? Him just huh? grabbing stuff? That's a bit yeah. throughout the whole episode, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And you don't know what he's doing. And then at the end of it, he uh, gives him the back scratcher. I remember that now. But I always liked that one because it was like, like, I know all Christmas specials are supposed to be feel good, but that one always made me feel good because of how Garfield was always dogging on, no no pun intended, always dogging on Odie. And then uh, he made him a Christmas present. That's so sweet. Is it Garfield? Doesn't, doesn't Garfield give him his lasagna or something? Uh, change for the back scratcher. That I don't remember. I just uh, know. I just remember the back scratcher because he was Garfield was really excited about it. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw that one. It's a good one. It's short. Again, it's like you know Frosty the Snowman length, which I can't believe that some people have never seen Frosty the Snowman from beginning to end, or Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. From beginning to end, because they're both like what thirty minutes. Yeah, they're, they're not long. How long is Rudolph? It's got to be thirty to forty-five, I would imagine. Five uh, hours. Oof. Nah. <laughs> Fifteen uh, hours, twenty-one minutes. Well, there's one I have to bring up. Um. It's it's the, the first one that always pops to mind when you say Christmas specials. It's the only one that I, like Jay, remember watching over and over and over. We must have had this on VHS at some point because I don't know how else I would have watched it so much because it did not get much repeat. Um, it's, it's not the one you're thinking of, Scott. Okay. 1987. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically December 16th. On ABC, oh, we hey, had... I was, was going to talk about this one, too. Okay, I love this one. The Muppet Family Christmas. Now, look, A Muppet Christmas Carol, maybe... Okay, definitely the best Christmas Carol ever written. Top five best Christmas movies of all time. But don't overlook this. And if you have, don't worry. You've probably never seen it or heard of it. I'm going to get to why in a minute. But... This was a 47-minute special made by uh, <coughs> um, and, uh, Jim Henson Workshop. Sorry, my mind blanked. Uh, that features the entire Muppet family, the entire Jim Henson Workshop family, including the Muppets, the Sesame Street gang, the Fraggle Rock gang, and in a rare Muppet not cartoon appearance, the Muppet Babies appear in this. Yep. So it was it was the original all our IP in one go uh, Christmas special. Um, suck it, Avengers. Uh, in it, the, the basic premise is uh, Fozzie decides to bring the whole Muppet show crew to his mom's farmhouse for Christmas. But he wants to surprise her so he doesn't tell her they're coming. And unbeknownst to Fozzie, his mom's booked a vacation in Malibu to get out of the house. Uh, and someone's renting the house, and it happens to be Doc. Not not the Doc, Doc 
from from Fraggle Rock. Him and Sprocket are renting the house. So Fozzie's mom's about to take off on vacation and up rolls Fozzie with the whole Muppet crew uh, and traditional, like, I don't know where Fozzie came from, but his mom is Southern because she's like, all right, we got room. Let's roll out some beds. Everyone's crashing here. <laughs> yeah, and, and right, on, right on their heels is like the, the biggest winter storm blizzard that they've had forever, yeah. The 50-year blizzard is coming and Piggy is late and uh again this thing is a little weird geographically because uh carolers come by and wouldn't you know the carolers is the entire cast of sesame street huh. so i guess the farm is in upstate new york uh <coughs> at the sesame street gang got there uh, but of course the blizzard's coming so they can't go home so they're all staying now um and then robin uh kermit's nephew discovers a fraggle hole and they, they find an old video, an old uh, film up in the attic of when they were younger, which they play, and that's the Muppet Babies, a little uh, number, but it's the actual Muppet, uh, not cartoon babies. Um, yeah, it's live action Muppet Babies. Yeah, yeah, which is like the second time that's ever happened, including uh, Muppets Take Manhattan. <coughs> but... This is awesome because, A, as a kid, it's like, oh, my God, all the Muppets are together. This is so cool. And, B, like any good team-up, you get to see some really fun pairings, okay? Rolf and Sprocket, the two dogs, have a whole scene together. It's great. Where they talk uh, in dog. Yes, they talk in dog. Yeah. <laughs> Which is much better than talking in Wookiee, but we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a really nice scene between my boy Grover and Robin, where Robin gives him the Fraggle Pebble. It's so cute. Uh, that was a setup for another special down the road. <coughs> but uh, it's, it's for me, the reason I loved it uh, is there's a, a constant sense of chaos. Like poor Fozzie's mom, she just wanted to go to Malibu, just somewhere nice and warm, get away but, from it all. And here comes her son with everybody. Yeah, because cause she's, she's by herself. You know, Fozzie's out of the house and doing his thing off in the big city, and she decorates the house every year, but no one ever comes. So this year, she decides to blow it off and go to go go to where it's warm, and then now it rolls everybody. So, uh, but she rolls with it. Everybody's got somewhere to crash. You know, we might be a little doubled up among the type, but we're all having fun. Um, but again, this this sense of like, even when they're all together, there's because there's again. The wide shots in this are amazing. There's so many freaking Muppets on screen at once. It's amazing. Uh, but it always reminded me of our family Christmases. Uh, no matter where we were living, and, and quick rundown, <coughs> by the time I was 16, I'd been in Minnesota, Tennessee, Illinois, and then Iowa, uh, and then Kentucky. But no matter where we were, we were going to Minnesota, the Twin Cities, for Christmas. And the way we used to do it is, it was an all-day thing. So we'd spend the night at, we, well, we, we would do Christmas Eve with Dad's side of the family. Uh, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandma. And then Christmas Day, we wake up with uh, my mom's parents, and we do Santa's presents, and then we have breakfast, and then we'd go meet at one of the aunt and uncle's house. I don't know how they decided whose house it would be at every year. And all the rest of the family, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody. <coughs> <coughs> sorry would meet up at one place and then we'd open presents that aunts and uncles and mom and dad everybody gave us and then we'd break and snack throughout the day and then it'd be a giant dinner and it was like it was the entire family all crammed into one house 
kids everywhere, mass hysteria, uh, Nerf bow and arrow incidents. It's a whole thing. Uh, but th- that sense of like the whole family is under one roof and it's kind of mass chaos, but it's also kind of awesome because you're all together. Uh, that's what this Christmas special reminds me of. That's why I love it so much. Um, in addition to it's got, you know, all your favorite Muppet characters. Um, but it's the one I default to. It also has a really great cameo by Jim Henson himself. Uh, right towards the end when everyone's kind of singing the finale, uh, he pokes his head out of the kitchen. Uh, it's him and Sprocket. He's like, oh, look, they're all having fun, aren't they? I like when they have fun. Well, these dishes aren't going to do themselves. Come on, Sprocket, I'll wash you dry. Really, really just simple, fun, cute little cameo. Uh, but like two years later, Henson passed away. So it's one of the last on-screen performances we got yeah. from him. Uh, I'm trying to make sure I didn't leave anything out. Yeah, I, I had well, never seen this until Nicole and I got together. Because I guess like you, you know, her uh, her you know, her family they had this on VHS or something. And so they watched it every year. That uh, was the point I wanted to get to. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, sorry, sorry. Yeah, and so I'd never seen it until we got together, and so now I've seen it. And I've got two different uh, well, I've got two different copies. I don't know if it's two different versions or not. Uh on DVD. One is 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 one that I may have well, they're both gotten through less than official, you know, channels. Um, but I've been trying to find to see if I've got one. And I don't know if your VHS has it or not. The, with the deleted scenes, not deleted scenes, but the missing scenes because of the music rights. So, yeah, here's what, what mired this. And if you haven't seen it or haven't heard of it, here's probably why you haven't. So it aired in 87. And almost right away, there were issues with uh, legal clearances. Number one. Some of the music used, the specific performances, were only licensed for TV broadcast. So mm-hmm. they couldn't, even when they put it off on VHS, they couldn't re- replicate those. So right off the bat, uh, even if you own an old beat-up 80s VHS copy, it's missing music because they didn't secure rights for uh, home release. It was just broadcast rights for those music, um, which, which dogged it for years. And then eventually, the, the Henson uh, uh, workshop rights all got broken up nowadays the muppets are owned by disney sesame street's owned by hbo i don't know who has fraggles or who has but they're all broken up so literally to put this special out nowadays you would have to secure rights from like three or four different companies just to clear all the characters who were in it uh which is kind of what's what's killed it and why there's no legally obtainable uh, uh, version of this movie, and why I honestly don't know if there is a full uncut version in existence. Because, like I said, outside of someone who might have taped the initial broadcast, uh, sort of like another special we'll talk about in a minute, I don't think this whole thing ever, ever made solid light of day outside of broadcast. <coughs> uh, which is why now there is a very nice version that is mostly complete on um, the tube where you put stuff. Um, But legal, like actual licensed uh, 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 copies of this movie are super rare and ridiculously expensive uh, and probably not very good quality. But uh, that's why if you've never heard of this, that might be part of why you've never heard of this. It's it's one of those it's not completely lost media, but it's it's heading that direction. 
Yeah, it is good though. It it, it has some great songs. It has some great moments. Uh, There's a whole subplot between the Swedish chef and an uh, uh, anthropomorphic turkey. Yeah, when the when the when the Christmas turkey shows up because he was answering an ad, voiced by the same guy that does Rizzo the Rat, doing the same voice as he does for Rizzo the Rat, which is kind of weird. It works though. It does. He's a he's a turkey with a tood, you know. Yeah, it's the whole the whole gang gets in there. Bert and Ernie are there, Cookie Monsters there. It's everybody. The Big Bird. <coughs> Never yeah. seen them. It's a fun forty-seven minutes. It is. You should really, you should really get a copy of this one, Jay. Didn't even know it existed. I didn't know it existed until you know I got married. Good on Nicole. Kitchen yep, no culture. I still, still love my. Uh, even though it's not a, it's not a holiday special. I still love my uh, my Muppet Christmas Carol though. Your Muppet Christmas Carol. My Muppet Christmas Carol. Okay. Mine. Can't have it. No. Just, okay. What makes it yours? Mine. Okay. Just is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Just, he's calling it yours. I didn't know if there was like a special Scott Cox cut I was unaware of. No. Yeah, it turns it into a horror movie. Oh. Yes. Yeah. The Scott Cox version turns it into a horror movie where in Scrooge, instead of, you know, being visited by the ghost of Christmas past, present, future, he's um, haunted. He he actually starts out the movie as a jolly, cheerful, Merry Christmas type person, but through <laughs> no fault of his own, is haunted by the Marleys and tormented by his past and twisted into the greedy, evil person he is at the end of that movie. Well, it's funny you bring that up. Uh-oh. Because that is my second favorite version of A Christmas Carol. And it's something I'm sure neither of you have ever heard of or watched. So you're familiar, so you're, you're familiar with the actor... Of uh, Rowan Atkinson, right? Yes. Yeah, Mr. Bean. Uh, Mr. Bean. Everybody knows him as Mr. Bean. <coughs> so he did another series for the BBC, um, which is really good. And if you've never seen it, you should watch it. It's called The Black Adder. Have, have you all ever, ever seen The Black Adder? I'm aware of it. I've never seen it. Okay. So each series or season, as we call them here in the United States, each season um, takes place in a different era. And Rowan Atkinson uh, plays, always plays the descendants of um, Edmund, um, uh, the Black Prince of Wales, the Black Adder, who was in the first, well, in the first season, he plays, he plays Edmund, the Black Adder. And, uh, Basically, he's a 
uh, all, all of his relatives and everybody, they are they are dim-witted, um, uh, scheming, conniving people, always trying to find ways to, you know, uh, cement their own power base and get get rich quick schemes and. You know, they're just always trying to get rich and have power and everything, and and uh, uh, it's just very funny. And they're 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 ruthless and they're 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 just not nice people. Well, they did a Christmas special for the Black Adder called um, uh, Black Adder's Christmas Carol, and uh, <coughs> when it starts out. Um, uh, Ron Atkinson is playing um, one of the descendants of the Black Adder. He's playing Ebenezer Black Adder. And uh, he's a nice guy. He has the Christmas spirit. He's, he's, he's jolly. He's jovial. He helps people out and everything. You know, he's like a shop owner. It's not real. And he gets visited by three spirits on Christmas Eve who basically show him his his other incarnations, his other descendants and stuff throughout history and how they're all conniving and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And at the end of it, the spirits realize they've got the wrong Ebenezer. So that's so, funny. Yeah. So then they go, they leave him. They're like, oh, well, never mind then. And he's like, wait, you can't just leave me now. And blah 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 and at the end it's a reverse christmas carol right at the end he's turned into a bitter he's turned into what the black adder should be and everything because of their mistake like he starts out as a nice guy and it's completely reversed it's just funny as shit so yeah that's funny (coughs) it's very good but I, i highly suggest you watch the black adder Jay. Really, really good. You've been quiet. Sorry. It's okay. Jay, oh. you, you got something for us? No. Okay. <laughs> well, Scott, you want to get to it? You think it's time? You can't talk about... Go ahead. Well, because counting this one, there's really two more that need to be talked about. Well, then why don't you... What's, what's your other one? The other one's the most recent one. I figured we'd oh, okay. end that one. Yeah. <coughs> Want to end on that one? Okay. Yeah. So you can't talk about Christmas or holiday specials without talking about perhaps the most notorious piece of uh, lost media. And by that, I mean very easily attainable media that certain parties would have preferred never got out into the world. But it's it's there. It's out there. November 17th, 1978. If you tuned into CBS, hopefully you had your VCR ready to go so you could capture what will become a notorious piece of of lore. Something whispered about and talked about, but until the advent of the, you know, internet didn't couldn't really uh, couldn't really be shared or seen a whole lot. Talking about the Star Wars Holiday Special. Mm, mm, mm. <coughs> the 
first ever non-Lucasfilm produced but licensed piece of Star Wars media that came out between, obviously, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Um, Lucas was on board with the idea of doing a holiday special because he wanted to keep Star Wars fresh in people's minds and he knew it would be several years before the next movie came out. <coughs> so in general, the idea of a TV special didn't sound like a bad idea, especially when CBS was like, hey, we'll pretty much foot the bill for this. But Lucas, being Lucas, was hard to work on Empire Strikes Back. So other than a few story ideas, he really had nothing to do with this at all. He basically said, yep, go ahead and use the characters. Here's some story ideas for you. And CBS went off and made this nearly unwatchable, almost two-hour piece of garbage. Um, oh, it's not a piece of garbage. I'll give it credit. Now, it is still kind of a first in a lot of ways. <coughs> Most famously, this is the official debut of Boba Fett. Uh, before he showed up in Empire Strikes Back, uh, I think slightly after he showed up in like a Thanksgiving parade somewhere uh, in, in the full white armor, uh, he, he made his official debut in the animated segment in this holiday special. Which also, to date, is the only piece from this entire special that can be easily legally obtained online. It is on Disney Plus. Only the animated segment from the holiday special. Because it's uh, it's the story of them scouting Hoth for Echo Base. Because it happens on Hoth. Because uh... they tame they tame a Tauntaun. No. Pretty sure it's what the, the no, short is. I, I, I had it on just a minute ago. I'm pretty sure it's not on Hoth. I thought it was on Hoth. No, it's on. They're looking for a talisman on some random planet. And Luke's Maybe fighting a lizard be... thing, and, and Boba Fett no, saves you. him. Yeah, we, we see Boba Fett riding the, uh, the Mythosaur. I think. Oh. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, he's, he's yeah. got the. He's got the. Well, that's not Boba Fett. That's Mando. I, he's got Mando's rifle. I've seen that. No, sir. No, no, no. I assure you, it's the other way around. Mando's rifle. But don't they? Have, well, they they also in in the holiday special. There's there's another animated segment where they're they're on they're on Hoth because they're scouting Echo Base. One <laughs> animated segment, and it's that one. I'm watching my very legally obtained copy right now in the background. Definitely not a bootleg. I bought it at a convention. It's fun. It still has the commercials in it. Yeah, I'm kidding. It's a weird tracking. In that case, where am I getting that from? I don't know, bud. Because I know it's a thing. It might be, but it's not in the holiday special. Not in the holiday special. <laughs> what is in the holiday special is nearly 10 uncut minutes of Chewie's family standing around, talking, living it up. And by that I mean talking all in Wookiees, which for those of you unfamiliar means 
Nearly 10 uncut minutes of zero dialogue, no subtitles, and three Wookiees grunting and growling at each other. Yep. That was yep. a thing. Right off the bat, too. <laughs> you get kind of a cool opening of Han and Chewie getting chased by the Empire, and Han's like, don't worry, buddy, I'll get you home in time for Life Day. <coughs> Which, that's the overarching story. Is Which Life Han. Day has been brought back into canon. Oh, yes, it has. You can tell. A young John Favreau watched this special and didn't know it was supposed to suck. Because <laughs> he's made it his mission to bring back as much of this into canon as he can. Uh, but that's the overarching story. Is Han and Chewie trying to get Chewie home for Life Day. Uh, to his family that we had not met before and we'll never see again. Uh, his father, Itchy. His wife, Mala. And his son, Lumpy. Lumpy! Lumpy. Yes. Yes. Which is short for Lumpard. Like the the writers had never seen Star Wars. This is me, this is me guessing. And there's a character called Chewie, okay? Well his dad's name is Itchy. And his son's name is Lumpy. Chewie and Itchy and Lumpy. There you go. <coughs> it's for kids, right? They don't know any better. Um Again, and apart from introducing Boba Fett, it also introduces the the planet of Kashyyyk as the home planet of the Wookiees and the fact that they live in tree houses <coughs> was all established in this this special. It'll be a long time before we circle back to pay that off, but it's introduced here. Um, see, so in addition to ten minutes of uncut. Um, Wookies, we get old man Lumpy watching what I'm going to call 70s softcore porn. Mm. We get an extended alien Julia Childs bit. If you ever wondered what Julia Childs cooking as an alien looked like, this this, this special has got you covered. Uh, let's not forget B. Arthur as a singing cantina owner. Uh, and then, of course, our climax with the Life Day where the Wookiees all don their finest red bathrobes and hold glowing orbs for reasons. Well, Carrie Fisher silhouettes us all into the credits. Features a very weird cameo from Mark Hamill, uh, who is wearing what I can only describe as drama major stage uh, uh, makeup. Oh, yeah, he has, he has heavy like eyeshadow and and everything on this this thing, he, he looks almost clownish, very clownish. I would go ahead and say, uh, uh, this was shortly after his his uh, car accident, so he was still recovering from facial reconstructive surgery, which is why in in Empire we build in the whole him being attacked by a wampa thing. But before that, the solution was just put him in more makeup than a Southern Belle at a beauty pageant. Mm. No one will notice. It doesn't look creepy at all. It looks very. Uh, what am I forgetting? Uh, Art Carney. Oh God, Art Carney. Yes, uh, and, and older Art Carney. So not even you know, uh, not even uh, young Norton Art Carney, but yeah, old weird man Art Carney selling grooming appliances to Imperial officers, <laughs> trying to help smuggle Han and Chewie to get to his family. 
and uh, Harvey Corman, I think, is in this. Yeah, he yeah he's the alien Julia Child amongst a couple others. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 It's uh, look. It was made in an age when variety shows were all the rage, so it's sort of like, hey, it's the Star Wars Variety Hour. We're gonna give you some circus performers and a bunch of musical acts and some high wire trapeze stuff and Art Carney and B Arthur. <coughs> yeah, and B Arthur only did the 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 special because uh, one of her kids was like a huge he was huge in the Star Wars like he loved the first movie, so she got an opportunity and he's like, oh yeah, mom, you got to do it, you got to do it, it's so awesome. And so she did it having no freaking clue what the hell star wars was in any shape or fashion she's in one of the least embarrassing segments of the the whole thing she's a cantina owner closing up for the night and just breaks out into song like you do of course yeah um jay was a cantina owner for a while he broke out into song all the time yeah but all he ever sang was closing time yep yeah unlike tonight where he says very little well, I'm sorry. I've never seen the Star Wars holiday special. Really? Never yes. watched it at all? Nope. Wow. I, I can't blame you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't choose to watch it either. Uh, it was forced upon me. Um, Clockwork Orange style by the late <laughs> Ryan <E>. Kemp. <laughs> yeah. I just have never watched it. I have no interest People reference it all the time, and I'm just like, okay. It's not good. Yeah, yeah that's what I've cool. heard. But it's, it's great to watch. Uh, so it's it's notorious for being, even at the time, a pretty big flop. <coughs> Did not get very good reception. Go ahead. I'm pretty sure the copy I have has the Rift Tracks track. It's the Rift Tracks version. That's the only way to watch this, yeah. I'll trade you. <coughs> Um, it's great watching it. Yeah, Lucas was embarrassed by it. Pretty much everybody involved was embarrassed by it. It only aired once. It was never released uh, in any official or unofficial capacity. The only reason it's still out there in the universe now is, like I said, back in the day, people who were who were early adopters of technology had those, you know, late seventies VCRs, and they recorded it, and those old VHS tapes eventually found their way on the internet eventually found their way to dvd and you know star wars nerds being the nerds they are there's been attempts by fans to kind of restore it and and, and, and um at least get better versions of it out there uh, uh even again uh john favreau clearly is a guy who who watched and enjoyed the holiday special within season one of mandalorian you've got mando you know mando's pulse rifle is boba fett's rifle from the special uh, episode one, the uh, character name drops Life Day, uh, which is the first and only time outside of this special anyone ever mentioned Life Day in a Star Wars thing. Uh, it's it, in fact now in November, uh, on the day this aired, uh, November 18th, at Galaxy's Edge at Disney World and Disneyland, they celebrate Life Day, complete with you can buy your red robes and your glowy orb. Because Fine. reasons. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, apparently Lucas bought up 
according to him, all the masters, um, the, the express point of never having this you know be released outside of the original thing. Um, most of the cast really won't talk about it. Like Lucas has been known to walk out of interviews the minute the interviewer starts talking about this. Uh, Harrison Ford's topic or his whole stance on it is, uh, yeah, I know I was in it. Do I remember being in it? No. Have I ever seen it? No. So really, I got nothing to tell. The only person who ever really openly talked about it was Carrie Fisher. And she's got some great stories. Yes. Including the fact that apparently she liked to break this out whenever she had parties when she wanted her guests to leave. The story, according to her, when she was contacted to come do commentary stuff for the Star Wars Blu-ray or or DVD edition, one of those two, her condition to George was, I want a copy of the holiday special. Uh Carrie... Her, her, one of her caveats for being in it <coughs> was that she wanted to sing. Mm. At the time, she was kind of getting a singing career going. She wanted to show off that she could sing. So she looked at it as cool. It's this Star Wars thing. People will watch it. I can get me singing on there. Cool. Uh, and she was proud of her performance, which, again, she is in one of the least embarrassing parts of the thing. Um, so she wanted a copy of it. Because it's all according to Carrie Fisher. Um, and, and according to her, like Scott said, she she wanted to have something to put on when she threw parties and wanted guests to leave. Uh, but according to her, she's got a copy. Where it is now, who knows? But, but that brings me to oh. the, the interesting point. Nope. Scott? Yeah. Okay. So in 2021, Disney... On Disney Plus, you can go watch it right now. Put out a very nice looking copy of the animated segment of this movie. Which tells me Disney has this. Whether, yeah. Whether the masters were locked in a vault, you know, to be studied by top men or whatever, <laughs> Disney's got a copy. Or John Favreau just brought in his home taped version and said, "Here, guys, clean this up." I can or see a possibility. Or George, when he sold Lucasfilm, forgot that all the masters were in like a safe on like Lucasfilm's property, and then he sold it to Disney, and then all the Disney execs came in and were like, "What's in this safe?" And they're like, "I don't know." And then they cracked it open, and they're like, "Oh my god!" Well, and it was it was like the and, end and they. Of- Raiders they, of the Lost Ark with yeah, the souls they, came out. They lifted the the master copy off of a pressure switch and started running because a boulder started rolling down because if anybody lifted the master off the pressure switch and then uh well therein lies an interesting point because when Lucas sold like Lucasfilm and stuff yeah. to, to Disney, like I, I don't I don't think he sold like all the props and everything that was in his archive like i think that's still on skywalker ranch but disney owns skywalker ranch oh never mind as far as i know lucas lucas film and all of its entities so ilm uh, oh no no ilm and skywalker sound i think are still operated as as independent entities yeah um but 
everything else, uh, as far as I know, is Disney's now. I think what I think the reason the whole thing hasn't come out, along with the despecialized, you know, versions that we're all waiting for, I think there might have been a a gentleman's agreement, so to speak. Um, look, I don't want people seeing this special. I'm embarrassed by it. Look, these are my preferred versions of my movies. Uh, and in order to sweeten the pot and, and get him to sign, there may have been a you have these and you can do what you want with them, but you won't for X amount of time. I, that's just me conjecturing wildly, but otherwise, I mean, Disney's not dumb. They know if they put out the specialized editions, it'd be like printing money. And the only reason that hasn't happened yet is there had to have been some kind of agreement. Written or otherwise that, you know, these are my preferred versions of the movie and this is what we'll show. So, But, uh, whew. Scott brought up a good point. There is a really great riff tracks yes. that goes along with this, which is the guys from Mystery Science Theater just viciously mocking it the entire time. It is the only way to swallow this pill. Because trying to wash it straight, you're, you're going to have a bad time. It's wonderful. Maybe you need to watch it from an elevated experience. No, there is no high ground with this, sir. No, no, like an elevated experience. Yeah, no, like I said, don't watch it straight. Yeah, be be on some kind of illicit substance. You know, choose your own poison. But trying to watch it without riff tracks and without booze or other substances, you're going to have a bad time. There's no way around it. The pizza, not French fry. <sighs> pizza, not French fry. I don't know what that means. It's a reference to the South Park ski instructor. Because John said, if you do it, you're going to have a bad time. And that's his go-to phrase when he's teaching people how to ski. If you do this, you're going to have a bad time. You got me. I've never watched enough South Park to know. It's okay. It's okay, buddy. Uh, Scott, you want to bring us home? Well, the only other one that's left, I mean, there's there's a lot of Christmas specials out there that we've not touched on because, well, there's just a crap ton of Christmas specials. Uh, and we're only talking about the ones that stick out in our heads, the ones that we remember from our childhood uh, and, and all that good stuff. But one just came out recently that really, really needs mention because it, it does kind of harken back a little bit to you know, Christmas specials of old where you have the special guests, you have the musical number, you have... But it doesn't. So, where the Star Wars holiday special did all of this wrong, <laughs> this one does it all right. And it was 2022, was it? Last year? They did it, which was the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. That's the one I'm talking about. And oh my God, that was just, it was so much fun. It was funny. Uh, the, the opening Christmas song. Where they get all the traditions of Christmas wrong. Funniest shit. That fish out of water. The, I don't know what Christmas is, but. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, so, you know, Lucas gave some story notes and then, you know, effed off for Star Wars. Uh, the Guardians Christmas special was written and directed by James Gunn. 
starring the entire cast. And I actually mean starring, not just like they pop up in cameo roles, but like they're yep. in the whole thing. Yep. Because uh, Star-Lord uh, is, is still down in the dumps from the whole Gamora thing, you know, and he's just not himself. So Drax and Mantis decide to cheer him up. And how best can they cheer him up? What's the best way they can think of? What's the best Christmas gift they can get him at this time? Yes, the the Earth hero known as Kevin Bacon. That's what they're going to give him for Christmas. It's Kevin Bacon. So they go to Earth to kidnap Kevin Bacon. And it's glorious. It's it is. <clears throat> <clears throat> Who, by the way, when Kevin Bacon, and of course, he's a bit thrown off. He's just been kidnapped by aliens. Uh, and, you know, Quill, very apologetic <laughs> when they show up with this kidnapped Kevin Bacon. You can't just take people. Uh, yeah, very beside himself. But <clears throat> when Kevin Bacon learns about the rough time poor Peter Quill has been having and how much of a hero he is to Peter Quill, he, just like the Santa in Home Alone, sacks up says you know what no let's go back and performs a number to cheer up peter quill because the christmas spirit can do anything it can even make jay not be grumpy i haven't seen this one either ah, jay go watch it right now go wait and just like Star Wars, it introduces a couple of core elements that would become canon. This is the movie where we find out that Mantis and Quill are, in fact, half-siblings. And my favorite addition to the MCU, we find out GoBots are real. Do you want to elaborate on that for us, Scott? I, I now want a GoBot movie. I want a GoBot MCU movie. How do we find out GoBots are real, Scott? GoBots killed Drax's was his parents or his family? Parents, right? I don't remember the reference. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 they're, they're walking in Hollywood and some restaurant or theater or something has some cosplayers hired, you know, to be out front, and two of the cosplayers are, are uh, cosplaying as uh, Psykill, the leader of the bad guys, and Leader One, the leader of the good guys. And Drax just loses his shit and attacks them. And Mantis, trying to hold him back, says, it's okay, it's okay. GoBots killed his family or something like whatever it was. GoBots killed his parents or whatever. So, yeah, he hates GoBots. So they exist and they work for Thanos. (laughs) So, yes. So I now want an MCU GoBots movie. Well, I hate to break it to you, but James Gunn would have been the man to bring it to you. Oh, he still can. He's off making Superman. Sorry, right, there's still time. It's You're Warner Brothers. A while. It's Warner Brothers. They fire everybody. They'll make one, maybe one and a half movies, and that's it. They'll fire him and move on to the next person. And then GoBots. And then GoBots. <laughs> Want my GoBots. <laughs> No, it's a very, uh, and I don't use this word a lot because usually it means I'm going to hate it, but it's a cute Christmas special. It's not, you know, anything major. 
Uh, it's just a fun story with with characters you know and love, and and again, really great catchy music. And it's a lot of MCU uh, like inside baseball kind of stuff, references from previous movies. And, and if you're not a Guardians fan, it's going to go right over your head. But if you are a Guardians fan, you get a lot of payoff. Uh, you, you get uh, well, they all give gifts at the end, and uh, Rocket gets his present from Nebula. Which is Bucky's robot arm. Bucky's robot arm. Which James Gunn does say, yes, that is the arm. How she got it, we have no idea. Here I was hoping for the Christmas special too to fill that gap in, but no. Sadly, we're not getting a, another Guardians Christmas special this year. It doesn't look like Damn it. Yeah. Yeah, and that is that's the most recent Christmas special I can think of. Yeah, I think so too. That that I'm aware of. Yeah. Kind of a lost art, man. Not a lot of people do them anymore. No. There's such a great back catalog of classics. It's like, why make anything new? It's like Hollywood in general. Why make anything new when you can just remake everything? But they're not even remaking. They're literally just rerunning. That'd be like if Universal announced, uh, hey, our summer slate is going to be uh, Jaws. No, the original. We're just going to put it back out in theaters. And uh, I think they'd make a lot of money. Waterworld. Oh, no, we're not remaking it. We're just, we're just putting it back out. They they'd like lose it, right? Just going to watch it again. They'd lose all the money they made from make from putting Jaws in theaters. <laughs> How do you make money with old movies? Play Jaws. How do you lose money? Waterworld. Oh, I would go see. You put the uh, uh, crap. What's it called? The Ulysses cut, the three-hour cut of Waterworld, in theaters. No, cut them together. Cut Jaws into Waterworld. And make like some sort of weird mashup. Jawser world. Jotter world. Water jaws. Waters. It's a Santa shark because it's a Christmas movie, right? Yes. Okay. And Jason Statham. Right. Because sharks. Yeah. Jason Statham is Santa. <laughs> His. His hat is like a shark's fin. Deepest, blue. No, that's LL Cool J. Yeah, all of it. Just blend it all together. Oh, okay, okay. Giant mashup. Call it a Christmas special. Okay. Uh, with that, I think we're tapped out. Scott's lack of response is going to make me say, yep. Okay, so with that, those are some of our favorite Christmas specials. Um, what did you think? Is there something you want to see us add? Or there's something you never heard of before? Are you now frantically on eBay trying to track down a copy of the Muppet Family Christmas? Joke's on you about the last one. Uh, but let us know what you think. And till next time, this has been your weekly Nerd Alert.